That's a powerful statement. Uh, the comfort food of pain, if it's not God, is likely to be sin. Because you're going to do anything you can do to get a temporary respite from that pain. If it's not the Holy Spirit and the truth of Father's word. That's a powerful statement. Yeah, it is. You know, I, I don't like to admit this. But being in ministry most of my life, it is a whole lot easier to preach it than it is to walk through Absolutely. And God sometimes, for whatever his reasons are, just chooses to allow us to go through these things. And I do not believe for a moment that any of it is for evil intent, because no evil comes from God. Mm -mm. And those were four out of all of our questions. Mm. Basically, I will summarize it like this. What is God thinking Mm. in not delivering me from this pain and suffering? Mm. And I want to address you personally, if you're listening. He does care. He is thinking. He does have a plan. I cannot answer that question just like you can't. But I can tell you he's thinking. Mm. I can tell you he has a plan for this pain and mm. suffering. Wow. He wants you to hold on to him like a child holding on to his daddy. And he will hold on to you. And for some blessed, glorious reason, that kind of love in the middle of a hurt child chases the pain away and puts the focus on the relationship. Well, you know, you said a plan, and Stephen, that prompts me. Uh, prob- to me, one of the most powerful passages about dealing with pain is in Genesis with the story of Joseph. And, you know, he received a dream that his brothers would all be bowing down to him, and he knew it was from God. Okay. Then, of course, He didn't handle it very well. (laughs) We have to learn how to handle revelation from God. Uh, We have to grow up. He went right away and bragged to his brothers and they got mad and hated him even more. He even bragged to his father and his father's like, stop this, you know, stupid kid. Uh, But he knew it was from God. But then the brothers intervene. He gets sold into slavery. He has Potiphar's wife try to seduce him, lies about him, uh, ends up in prison. Where's the dream now? You know, well, through the circumstances, eventually Pharaoh has a dream and Pharaoh says, uh, hey, I heard you interpret dreams. And Joseph corrects him. "Uh -uh. Only God interprets dreams, which is fascinating to me. Through all that he went through, he knew the dream was from God and he knew God was still in control. And what happens at the end? The brothers bow down to him. Just like it had been said, but there was a lot of detour along the way. And how do we tie that all together? It's this amazing verse, Genesis 50, 20. He tells his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, there's two key things I want to point out. One is the word meant. The Hebrew means to plan and execute your plan. So these evil brothers had a plan for evil, and they executed that plan. 
God, the same Hebrew word is used for God. So God had a plan and executed his plan for good. But here's the key. It was the same it. (laughs) It was the same Potiphar, the same evil brothers, the same evil wife of Potiphar, the same forgetful baker. It was the same it. But God basically says, I'm going to step in. I've got my plan. I'm going to use your plan, your wickedness, your evil, all those bad circumstances, all the same actors in the play, but I'm going to direct the play to a different ending. Oh, my goodness. Uh, That's something... I think every one of us ought to meditate on and meditate on and meditate on because our first response when pain comes is, God, what are you doing? God, where are you? What's Well, whatever's happening, whether it was a fallen world or a wicked person or a stupid choice on our parts, it's for evil. But God's stepping in as the director. He's going to use the same actors but he's got a very different ending in store. And that's where our faith comes in. And that, you know, Joseph never lost sight of God in this entire process. He couldn't understand the circumstances, probably messed with his mind a lot, but he kept saying, but God, but God, but God. And that's the key. You have a chapter in your book that is dedicated to a topic that is very close to my heart. I've been writing and teaching on it for many, many years. Those people who get in that dark pit have a classic response, suicide. Want to talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, in my own life, uh, I came very close. I had a plan. Um, and I told God, um, do you see me? Uh, I can do this. And I prayed and I said, you have to heal me or kill me or I'm going to help you kill me because I just can't live like this. The next morning, I went to the Christian bookstore to pick something up. And I always looked at the clearance rack. <laughs> and, and there it was, a book. And the title just smacked me. Help, Lord, my whole life hurts. And it was 99 cents. So that really appealed to my Jewish heritage. And I went, I'm buying that book. I read the book in a day. Uh, every chapter was on loss, losing success, uh, losing uh, a loved one, uh, losing your character, uh, losing the sense of God's presence, loss, 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 loss. But I couldn't put it down because it was me. It was what I felt is what I was experiencing. The final chapter said the reason for it all. And the, the thesis was that this little lady wrote, uh, you're going to find God in a way you never knew it. 
And so I told Fi, close the book. And I said, okay, I will not do that. I will trust you and I'll walk. And it was six months later that Father opened my eyes to the new covenant and the grace of God. And uh, I, I purchased over 500 copies of that book. It's out of print. I buy it every time I can find it because I know I'll be giving it to somebody. It saved my life. Uh, I have people in my life that have followed through with that. Uh, and so I'm on an agenda, Stephen. I, I want to change the word suicide. Uh, suicide. And as soon as you say that word, everybody instantly goes, oh, yes, somebody took their life. Fat, sterile, cold. I prefer the word pain aside. It's been my experience that they really don't want to die. They just don't want to hurt anymore. Right. And they'll do anything to stop hurting. And I hope that our culture, it was interesting because when I sent the book out for friends that I have, theologues to, uh, you know, edit it. Bunches of them wanted me to not put that term pain aside because I was coining a word that was not in use. And I, I told them, well, I'm coining a word that's not in use and I'm putting it in the book because I want it to be in use. <laughs> um, we need to understand what's really going on here. Uh, they feel like it will hurt too much. And again, that's a lie. Only God is too much. Uh, hurt is not omnipotent. Uh, so that's uh, why we wrote that was to try to put a, an appeal to people to uh, realize what was going on. They really didn't want to die. They just didn't want to hurt and then appeal to them to, to go to some places and get some help. Which brings me to, uh, I don't know why my book is disappearing here, but uh, <laughs> The title of the book is called Suicide, the Illicit Lover. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, John Stevens was my Sunday school teacher for years. Mm. And I was kind of uh, there when he was birthing this book. And it focuses on the identified life with Jesus Christ. But he brings out the need that people have to be loved. And when they don't find anyone in their life anymore to meet that need, they have a love affair with themselves. Oh, yeah. And through that irony, uh, oftentimes they pull the trigger. Yep. I will put the link to get John's book in the follow-up email after today. I'm also going to put a link to uh, Lynn's identity book or devotional in case you're interested in that. Obviously, we're going to have a link there for Frank's book. But I, I can tell you personally, and I think many of you who are listening today have probably already read his book because, you know, you stay in contact with Resolute Hope. But this is one of the most practical books on pain and suffering and what the real answer is and in, in my view, we need to get this out as far and wide as we can. Oh, I hope so. It, it starts with a punch. It ends with a punch. And I also believe, Frank, this is going to be a classic. I really do. 
You, John has been with the Lord for a long time. And this little book is a classic because it hits the issue right where it hurts. Yep. Helps them address the hurt and yield their life over to Jesus Christ. Yep. yep. And, you know, Stephen, one other thought there on suicide. Um, it's the counterfeit gospel. You know, in the new covenant, because we have died in Christ, we have been resurrected and have been made brand new. The enemy, so the gospel is die and be free. <laughs> you know, come to Christ, die and be free. That's, that's uh, well, the whole point is it's yeah, Satan. Up. Yeah, Satan comes along and says, die and you'll be free. But he means a very different death. He means a destructive death where the gospel is a constructive death. It's a death unto life. And so he's using the truth. Uh, die and you'll be free, and he's twisting it, which is his MO. And uh, that provides an extra appeal for people to, to do that. It's tragic. They're yeah. so close to the gospel, you know, uh, probably closer than a lot of people sitting in the pew. Exactly. I love you, Frank. And I consider you one of my bestest friends, if we could even say that. I use that word too, bestest. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, I have been blessed beyond words can describe since the day we were introduced. We mm. all need brothers, sisters who kind of put a cast around us to keep us moving and breathing in Christ. And I would ask you listeners to continue to pray for Resolute Hope and IOM America. You know, there are very few authentic, indwelling Christ as Life ministries that are still standing today. I know there's thousands in, you know, in God's calculations, but pray for us. Each of us have a different focus. And one of our focuses with IOM is addressing cultural issues and using those cultural videos and articles and books to bring people back to examining who is in charge of all this and what Christ wants to do about it. Yep. And steering away from following Christ and becoming indwelt by him. So the video I'm going to show you right now is was designed and produced, got released today for our youth. It's got cultural uh, music to it. It's got cultural dancing in it. It's got cultural messages. And we always take our viewers toward the end of the, of the video with the challenge of receiving Jesus Christ and not believing this other stuff. So I hope you hang in there long enough. It's only two and a half minutes long. And it also provides in there what we're going to be sending you after this podcast uh, with a partnership we did with, with Rose Publishing on the uh, identity uh, message of who am I in Christ. And we're going to get that to you free today. So, Frank, thank you for being with us today. I'm kind of thinking about a part two because this is an intense topic. Yeah. But I'll, I'll get with you on that. Can I leave people with one thought from uh, the scriptures? Um, Hebrews 11, and we put this in the book. 
when you are trusting God and don't get delivered. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about by faith, you know, Noah built the ark and Moses delivered the people and Joshua knocked the walls of Jericho. But about halfway through the chapter, he says, but what about those who don't get delivered yet continue to believe? The Holy Spirit says, if that's one of you, you're trusting God and you have not experienced deliverance. The Holy Spirit says, the world is not worthy of you. Amen. That's huge. Folks, thank you for joining us today. Please hang out for a couple more minutes to view this video.